0: don't wake me up.
1: Welcome, everyone. This is Sasha and Moving Mountains. Joining us today is professional speaker and coach Diana Kuna who will help us explore emotional intelligence and the practical tools and techniques we can exercise to improve our emotional intelligence. Diana is a strategic senior-level professional with a proven record in overseeing multiple initiatives simultaneously, maintaining composure, and demonstrating flexibility and professionalism under pressure. She has the ability to communicate with internal and external stakeholders, growing the organizational reach, and enhancing the position of the organization while increasing their profitability. It's important to understand how we can improve our emotional intelligence by embracing a common life lesson. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Audiences are welcome to learn more about Diana by visiting dianatalks.com. Hi Diana, welcome
0: to Moving Mountains. Hi, Sasha. Thank you for having me. So you're a professional speaker, coach, and the founder of Diana Talk. Would you be kind in sharing your early-on personal journey that introduced you to the realm of emotions, understanding what they are, and how to leverage off to live your best life?
2: Yes, I would love to. Uh, So I've been speaking in the corporate world for a while at conferences, at my own company events, and when I really started thinking about what I want to do for, for Diana and what I'm personally really interested in, I've really always enjoyed the whole exercise of, of speaking and, and talking and interacting with people, and I like the whole process of researching and preparing, and then delivering a presentation, and hopefully delivering something that resonates and is engaging, and then, in my instance, inspires them to to take action. And so for me, when I started really thinking about what would I want to talk on outside of what I've done in in software for 20 years, for me personally, something that I've been really passionate about is, is emotions. And really getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and getting more in touch with your emotions. So my early journey, or, or my story, I guess, is that in my early childhood, I lost my father to suicide. And in, in those early times, my mother was very unequipped, as most probably anyone would be, to deal with a loss and a tragedy like that. And so I found a lot of my childhood and adolescence was, in a place where emotions were something that was sort of unwelcome or discouraged. And as a result of that, over time, one of the coping mechanisms I used was I shut down and I avoided the expression of emotions or feeling emotions. And fast forward into being a young lady, I thought that I could live the rest of my life as a robot and, you know, without feeling all of the emotions that there are to feel in life, which – is all of us really know, that is very limiting and, and not it doesn't serve us very well. So I've, I've done a lot of work personally and professionally to, to lean in and embrace emotions and the good ones, the ones that make us feel great and the ones that make us feel a little bit out of control and in that have found a lot of growth personally, professionally and, and those are the kinds of things that have helped me be a better communicator, be a better leader, be a better negotiator, be able to handle conflict and difficult conversations. And so that's what I am trying to get out there and trying to encourage other people to do is to lean into that and to, as easy as it is to be afraid of it, uh, to to take a step towards it as opposed to avoiding it. As on Diana
0: talks, you share your experience. You referenced your experience with therapy. Was there a turning point that allowed you to finally face those emotions that have been parked for a while?
2: Mm, That's a good question. I think there have been a couple of milestone moments in therapy for me along the way. I think one was just feeling like I had a safe place to be very honest and real about what I felt has, you know, happened to, not to me, but maybe just the circumstances of of life. Because all of us have things that happen that maybe are, you know, traumatic or or difficult for us in in our own world. And so I think one one thing for me that is really monumental that stood out is just for me having a kind of an understanding of what some of the dynamics of human relations are, especially in childhood, and, and being able to see things from the perspective of me as myself and as an adult now looking back into who I was as a child and, and, and some of the family dynamics of that too. And being able to have somewhat of an objective view by having a therapist a- kind of guide me through that was just helpful and having you know an understanding of, of what that looked like and what that was. I, I think another really interesting Moment or shift for me was, and, and this was actually with a different therapist, was I got to a place where I kind of knew, like, okay, I'm ready to be pushed a little bit, and I've done a lot of good work, and it's been really good, and now I'm ready to, to you know, can, can kind of continue stepping outside of my comfort zone. So we talked about that. And I we, mean, we, after establishing rapport in a relationship, we talked about, you know, uh, triggers and, and things that make me uncomfortable and, and maybe things that... That I want to do to to grow, and so in our sessions, very unconsciously, my therapist would talk about things that were uncomfortable. and And when she would see me start to maybe tense up or my breathing would stop, I would I have I tend to hold my breath when I get stressed out or nervous. So she'd see me hold my breath, uh, my or just my body language would change. She would catch that, and then we would she, we would talk through it. And so we would talk about what is it that you're feeling. So we just I just said something it's upset you or it's made you really anxious or you're stressed out or your facial expression is saying, you're saying this, that your facial, facial expression is saying that, let's talk about that. What is that? And that is, it was, so it was a, a safe environment and a really great way to practice emotional identification and then to an extent emotional regulation because we all deal with things that make us happy and we all deal with things that make us sad or angry. And it's being able to identify those things and then understand how we respond to them like physically with our body language and our, uh, within our body the way we feel and our facial expressions and then how we go about regulating them. Uh, that was really monumental for me in, in the work that she and I did together. One of the aspects of your work,
0: is you celebrate to live your life out loud. How do you live Mm. your life
2: out loud? For me I think part of living my life out loud is by just like being here on this podcast and talking to you. It it's still scary sometimes to just kind of expose and be completely vulnerable about who I am and my past and it's not all pretty, you know? Some of it's been great, some of it's been really hard and ugly and one of my core values is courage, and choosing courage over fear. And so, when I when I talk about living out loud, that's what I mean. And and there's more to it than, than just that. But for for me, and, and that's a, a part of what that goes into that talk is facing your fears, and finding your voice. And and for me, it took years and years and years and years to even just start having conversations about some of these things because i was so terribly afraid to take down armor and be honest and be vulnerable about what these things were it felt like oh my god you know this might kill me but every time i did it it got a little easier and every time i faced those things and did it, it was like oh, okay this is okay i can do it again and so that's what i that's what i mean by living out loud is being able to be you and be your authentic self and and face fear. The terms emotional
0: intelligence and emotional quotient happen to be used interchangeably. Is there a a difference between those two?
2: It's the same. They are used interchangeably, EI, EQ. You're you're right. EQ is the emotional quotient, and the term emotional intelligence, EI, is also something that's talked about that, and that term specifically was coined in the early 90s by Peter Salovey and John Mayer. Some of the two of the gentlemen that were scientists, kind of studying, like, well, what is this thing that makes people really high performing uh, outside of their IQ? And it was what they have named EI, or emotional intelligence, which, which, which you're absolutely right, Sasha, is interchangeable with EQ. As an executive, what would your guidance be
0: to organizations
2: out there that
0: still put a lot of emphasis on IQ, but they are not paying enough attention to the EQ that could help the work culture, the productivity, and also the morale of the organization?
2: Oh, wow. That's a really great question. There's probably a lot of different ways to answer that. I would say uh, I'll just start maybe from like a sales perspective. For example, I work in sales, and I work with a lot of account executives and, and our and our client success team at at, at uh, my company Mavenlink. And you know, it's interesting because I think on the IQ perspective, that's that's what you're born with. That's what you know. That's your capability in terms of how much you can learn or how well you can learn. And then you know, obviously, to to sell or to be good at what you do, you have to have some level of competency in in terms of your knowledge and and what you can demonstrate there, and that's obviously very important. But the other aspect of selling or being in HR and working with people or being a manager is also the human element of it and being able to relate to people and have empathy and understand what they're going through. And that's where some of these soft skills come into play and what you know, emotional intelligence is, is being able to really – hear someone and make them feel valid um have empathy or demonstrate empathy and and the way that you communicate can be a skill too in terms of how you navigate a conversation i t- kind of touched on negotiation earlier that also can be something that you you use in your wheelhouse in terms of how you negotiate with people so a lot of these soft skills, while they may be a little harder to quantify in terms of the numbers, they, they are actually, there is a lot of evidence out there as it relates to emotional intelligence where people that have higher levels of EI are more productive, they have the the environments have higher morale, there's lower turnover, they usually lead to higher sales and or you know retainment of clients. And it has to do with, I think, people being seen and heard and and feeling like they're included as opposed to just being told and this is what it is and just this is the whole hard, cold, you know, IQ side of things, I guess.
0: With your coaching practice, when you're working with day-to-day people, do the majority of them come from corporate? Do they happen to be executives? What have you seen between executives that – may need to refine their EQ in order to connect better with their employees. Oof, that's a that's a hard question. I'm
2: I'm lucky as of late a lot of the people I work with and have interacted with are very open and I I feel like in general at least in in maybe the circles that I'm a part of right now and in my network people are talking about this and are open. I feel like more open to it than ever before, at least in in the years that I've been working. A lot of the people that I work with in terms of the work that I do with with speaking and coaching are younger in their career, more mid-level manager, maybe individual contributor. And yet I would say with with some of the executive level people that I've interacted with, I, I don't know if I can answer that question Accurately right now, without just kind of making an assumption, because most of the people I've interacted with as of late have been open to this idea and, and wanting to do work in that area. So it, it's hard for me to answer it without you know kind of making an assumption as to somebody in that position who might <laughs> might be resistant to it, how how they might how they might react to it. I could guess, and I could probably give you some answers, but.
0: No, that's understandable. Thank you for sharing. You've had your successes with promotions in your career path. And of course, acquiring success outside of us can come easier than for those that need to look within and engage in self-development. Do you have any rituals that you adhere to, whether they're daily or you revisit them as you need as a toolbox to make sure the best
2: Diana shines every day? Mm. Routine is something that I find really helpful, and, and a part of that routine for me is exercise. And I, I believe in meditation. I could be better and more consistent at it, but it's, it's, it's something I practice and I try and practice consistently and admittedly could be better at. But, but those things I find to be very grounding in terms of whenever I stop doing them, I can tell. I can feel a difference. So those two things are kind of always at my core. And, and then something else that I find too, like I, I've pretty much been in and out of therapy for the last decade. And sometimes I go more frequently than other times, just depending on where I'm at in, in life and, and circumstances. But I have found over the years that it's good for me personally to have a therapist in general that I've Established a relationship with that if I get to a place where I feel like I could use some help and you know talking to to somebody to navigate something and get some a different you know perspective or opinion or whatnot that that's helpful for me to have that kind of sounding board to discuss things with and then the last thing I would say is I get a lot of inspiration and kind of soul feeding from books and podcasts, so i I like starting out my morning with something that kind of feeds me in terms of my growth and and things that I feel are really important. So in the morning, I'm usually either listening to some book on Audible or a podcast that is of this kind of nature that I found that I find to be Opportunities for me to continue to grow, learn things, look at things differently. Uh, and a lot of it, you know, I find is consistent and complementary to what I'm talking about and, and my journey and what I'm interested in. So I find it a lot of times also to be healing in a way too. Given the mindful choices that you're making and they're bringing mm-hmm. new
0: blessings into your path, is there anything that you had resisted in the
2: past and finally you've embraced it? Oh, who? Cool. Yes. <laughs> I think one thing I've been struggling with throughout this journey of kind of putting myself out there, deciding that this is something that I want to do and talk about I struggle with it every day to be honest is, is still fear like I'm still afraid of rejection or you know people not liking me or people disagreeing you know maybe with my opinion on on these things, and the reality is is that's fine everyone can have their own opinion they're They're totally deserving and warranted of that, and I'm not out here to make everyone like me. I'm out here to share a message that I hope helps people that are at a place where, you know, they're ready to hear it. Uh, But something that I felt was holding me back that I've started to change and do differently, where I have seen some immediate change and and positive reaction, is in the process of like reaching out to do podcasts, like with you or through other avenues to continue to do work to better understand an audience of you know, who to speak to and how to get this message out there. Part of this, you know, imposter syndrome that syndrome that we go through when we're developing our businesses or, or doing whatnot is kind of this like, you can't do it, you're not good enough, you know, fear of reject- rejection, rejection, cetera. And part of it is, you just have to you just have to start doing it, right? You have to start talking to people and reaching out to people and and socializing the idea, and just like I said, it's kind of facing your fears and in doing so, um, it's been rewarding i've I've seen opportunities present themselves that I otherwise thought, oh, there's no way that'll happen you know i I applied to get into something that I thought Meh, i'm I'm probably not ready for that. But you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna apply to this. Uh, I'd love to. I would love this to be you know an amazing opportunity for me to get into this. And as it turns out, I did. I I got into this um, course with a woman who I very much respect. That is a marketing genius. And so I think very long winded answer to your question, Sasha. But uh, yeah, I think some of just the self limiting talk that we all tell ourselves by changing it like, yes, you can, um, you know, you can do it, and then doing it, and actually, you know, action takes over fear. Action is the thing that gets rid of fear, and that breaks it down is by doing something. And so by doing it, uh, I have been able to see good things come as a result of doing so. One of the key topics that
0: you also specialize in is conflict. And whenever mm-hmm. I think of the word conflict, I always mm-hmm. tell people don't think of the worst, Conflict is not a bad word. There are Mm -hmm. healthy conflicts that help us reach our best, actualize our potential. What is your take on conflict? And what do you find to be a common denominator among people when they have to either resolve
2: conflict? Also a good question. I think conflict probably depends on the scenario. I, I think of conflict like in terms of maybe internal conflict with, like in a work you know professional work environment, maybe just to give a little context on where I'm coming at it from. but if if you have conflict in terms of two people disagreeing on a subject or how to go about doing something, uh, that maybe that's one example of conflict. Another type of conflict maybe might be just misalignment in terms of like expectations and what roles and responsibilities, what one person should be doing. The other person should be doing or not doing, and maybe as a result of a misalignment in expectations or understanding, that creates conflict. And so, for me, conflict is like there is there's tension, there's misunderstanding or or misalignment, and so you know, two parties are you know in conflict with each other in terms of whatever that particular scenario or or dynamic is. For me, what I found to be helpful with addressing conflict, because I think a lot of us are inclined to avoid it and go talk to somebody else about it, because we think if we just vent about it, you know, oh, it's fine, it'll it'll be over, and then we'll move on. And in reality, a simple conversation of just trying to understand what what is the circumstances, what are we both mutually trying to accomplish here, and how do we get that out? on the table and then you move forward together, easier said than done sometimes, but is at its very simplest, purest fashion, all you need to do to resolve conflict. And I think a part of it too, building on it is kind of how you approach it in terms of you know, wanting to understand from the other person's perspective, having an openness to really hear what the other person has to say, even if it hurts your feelings. And then having a desire to, you know, mutually move forward together. Uh, and sometimes also having an understanding that the other person may be at a different place than you are and, or maybe less open in terms of, of that than you are. So I think part of it is, you know, just being sensitive to that as well. So, but I've, I've found that just trying to, be can- trying to be candid and respectful and speak in facts uh, it is a really good way to talk about conflict and also try and talk about you know, the, the positive outcome that you're hoping to achieve. For individuals out there listening,
0: how can they gauge where they are on the emotional intelligence spectrum at the moment, and how can they go about refining their EQ? That is a
2: good question. There are a few tools out there that somebody could use. I'm in the process of developing a a test, so to speak, that I'm, I might make available on my website, but I'm not a PhD or, or a scientist. So <laughs> um, in the meantime, some resources that somebody could consider um, in the corporate world A lot of HR, human resources functions will facilitate a DISC assessment. Um, You can also go online and buy a book called Clifton Strengths Finder, and there is at the end of that book a little code to log on and then take an assessment which will tell you what your strengths are, your top five strengths. I I like that as a way to look at what you are inherently good at as opposed to focusing on weaknesses that, that are otherwise you know, not your natural instincts in terms of what you're good at. There's also a company called Talent Smart, and they have an EQ test online that you can take Um Dr. Susan David is another resource, another woman that I follow. She has she wrote a book called Emotional Agility, and she has a, a free version of an EI test that you can take on her website to sort of gauge what your emotional agility score is, if you will, not score, but just kind of where you stand in terms of how connected or in tune you are with your emotions. And any or all of those are really great tools to use just to kind of baseline If you, you know, take it honestly, this is where I am in terms of my self-awareness and how I regulate my emotions and how I am able to perceive and understand the emotions in other people. And I think any and all of those are a good way to start evaluating and and maybe having more self-awareness of of your own um, EI or emotional intelligence range. And then, you know, take take the conversation from there. And quickly touching upon the fact that you're also an
0: entrepreneur, what was one thing that you discovered about yourself in the process of embracing entrepreneurship?
2: Wow, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I would say that has surprised me a little bit, I guess, is I really enjoy the creative part of it uh, kind of going back to like the preparing a talk and doing like the research and the writing of it and the practicing of it I I think in my brain maybe I thought that that part would be hard it, it would it is sometimes hard but I thought maybe I guess I expected myself to dislike that and what I found actually was, I actually really enjoyed that. And it can be a little overwhelming at times, at least for me, kind of the, the way I process it is to, you know, you want to research, right? And what do I want to talk about? What's kind of, here's the outline. And then how do I, how do I bring in data? Uh, how do I bring in stories? And how do I also include tools and techniques that are very tangible and approachable? Is that, kind of my style what I like to leave somebody with that they can walk away with and I can do this tomorrow and how I bring that all in together from my you know perspective and my personal experience into something that's cohesive that then you can simmer down and deliver and talk about in 30 to 45 to 50 minutes and that whole process uh I really enjoy a lot more I guess than I I expected I would
0: and as we start to wrap things up, Diana, uh, in the realm of Sasha Talks, we also celebrate self-development and successes. In the previous year, what is the most courageous thing that you've done? In
2: the previous year, what is the most courageous thing that I've done? Hmm. I guess I would say, well, I delivered one of my one of my first emotional intelligence talks um, in February February of this year, where for the first time I actually said out loud to, you know, an audience of people and a session that is recorded and now you can forever find on the internet that, you know, a whole part of my journey was my father taking his life when I was a little girl, and that was never really something. I'd ever talked about before unless it was in a one-on-one conversation with somebody and everything else I'd always talked about was a little bit more broad and a little bit more generic in terms of like my story and my childhood and everything was just kind of like there was trauma, but I never named or said exactly what it was. And to me, I think just doing that, just kind of owning it, like it is what it is, its what its it is. It. Didn't happen to me. It's just the circumstance that it happened in my life, and then kind of sharing, you know, the rest of the, that that story and, and the talk. Um, I got a really good reaction from the attendees uh, on that in that event, and I think for me personally, it was really validating. Going back to that whole fear thing, right, and facing your fear um, to to do it and to know it's okay to do it and kind of you know, reinvigorated me to, to continue doing what I'm doing.
0: Diana, that is very courageous of you. I respect you for sharing that part with your live audience and the virtual audiences. Thank you. And are there any new
2: projects coming out or events that people should look forward to? Oh, it's a good question. There is a potential I might be speaking at an event in August. I'm still waiting to get confirmation on if I'm confirmed and what the dates are. Uh, so if, if, if there is, I'll be posting about that on Twitter and LinkedIn. It's, um, there's a, a, a week called like National Human Resources Week or something like that, and um, one of the women that's in my network is a, is a part of this community, so i may be I may be participating in her event in august and i in parallel to some coaching that I'm doing and and then looking for additional conferences as the world comes back up to hopefully start traveling again I'm also doubling down on on me and my my message and my audience. So I'm I'm taking some time over the next three months actually to kind of fine tune and, and revisit that and try and hone in on that and, and, and you know just keep making it better and, and hopefully find, you know, more more things that resonate with people that can get this message out further. So that's pretty much what's on deck for me most likely for the rest of the year you're welcome
0: to let audiences know where they can find you oh thank you for that and
2: you can find me my website which is dianatalks.com and my linkedin profile is pretty easy it's linkedin forward slash in forward slash diana acuna and then i am also on twitter at diana Talks with a little underscore after the the Some talks.
0: Diana, thank you for sharing
2: your wisdom on Moving Mountain. Thank you for having me, Sasha. It was a pleasure speaking with you.